Kelly Campbell, and this is Simply Set. Hello, 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 and welcome to Polly Campbell Simply Set, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And I think all that is related to having fun, to playing, to being connected, to personal growth, to learning, all of that. I think that's what leads to happiness and joy. And, you know, I believe that taking care of ourselves and doing the things that we love to do and enjoy is part of changing the world because when we're feeling good, we do good, right? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm indulging myself because we're talking about one of my favorite things on the planet, and that is reading and books. And if you know me at all, I, I love writing. I love reading. Um, and so we're going to get into it today and talk with a friend of mine, Bethann Patrick. Bethann is a writer, author, and book critic. Her monthly column and hot books appears in the Washington Post. Her book reviews and author profiles appear in the Los Angeles Times, Poets and Writers Magazines, NPR Books, all over the place. And she's an author, too, of two books for National Geographic and an editor of an anthology for Regan Arts. Welcome. Thank you, Polly. It's such a delight to be here. I really appreciate your um, passion for books and reading, but also realizing that books and reading are something that can add to people's lives. They're not just something that's on the have-to list, you know, of, of life. They're not just a drudgery. They're something that can bring so much joy to us. And I was really fortunate. I had a mom who read to me ceaselessly. She was also, I think, uh, an actor who had never found her calling. And so she made up voices for all of the characters in the book she read to me. There's nothing better you can do for your children, nothing better. And she read to me all the time, all kinds of different books. And it didn't matter. I mean, lots and lots of children's books and classics. We could talk about everything from, you know, Frog and Toad to Heidi to Anne of Green Gables and on. But she also read just really good literature to me. And she hadn't had the college education she wanted, but she did have her literature textbooks from the courses she did take. And so she would pluck out poems and dramas and short stories and read them to me. I mean, she was reading the Edgar Allan Poe stories when I was you know, nine and 10 years old. And the thing about that is, I, I don't think she ever read anything to me that frightened me or disturbed me. She was very careful about, um, you know, making sure I was ready for whatever she read to me. But it made me so used to hearing wonderful language, beautiful language, creative language. And so I just thirsted for more and more of that. And I could go on on every stage of my reading life and, you know, bore everyone to tears, which I won't. But basically that did lead to a passion, a lifelong passion. And because I had 
a different kind of path. I was, um, my, I'm still married to the same man, but he was active duty in the army for 21 years. And so I had to figure out, especially in the pre-internet years, what I was going to do professionally. And it wasn't easy. Uh, so I was able to start freelance writing. And one of the easiest things to do when you start freelancing is to pitch a few book reviews, because especially back in the day, every newspaper and magazine needed book reviews of some kind. So you just figured out what they needed and figured out what was coming out and, you know, pitched some reviews. And that's how I got my start. I have a question about that, though, because you're a writer and an author. You write yes. your own books. Is it hard to review another? Because you know how hard it is, right? Yes. <laughs> I, I read books that I don't like, and I'm thinking, oh, I would do this differently. But the truth of it is, when I sit back, it's a hard thing to do. So it's hard for me to critique another's work. How do you get around that for you? You know, I, first of all, Polly, I think you're bringing up a very good point. Even a book that you want to throw across the room took a great deal of effort to write. It, you know, a book length work is difficult and it represents a lot of thought and care and heart. And that's why I just want to put this in here really quickly. That's why even when you see people, you think they've reached the height of their careers, but they still want to write a book because a book really represents uh, you know, all of that thought and, and all of that passion. But to back to your question, you know, I never saw book reviewing as something where I was going to have to be negative about a book, especially in my early years. I saw book reviewing as something where I could introduce other readers to a book that I loved and appreciated. Now, as I've gone along, I've come to appreciate the power of a more critical and sometimes negative review. There are reasons for those, okay? And we can talk more about that if you want. But the fact is, sometimes you do have to write those. That doesn't mean that you have to tear someone apart. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you say something like, you know, well, I wish this book were X or Y instead of being what it is. That's not fair. You know, I believe in reviewing books on their own merits and reviewing them with the author's intentions in mind. I mean, as far as I can tell those mm -hmm. intentions, I'm not a mind reader and I don't try to be one, but uh, I, I do have so much respect for anyone who writes and finishes a book. And I try to bring that respect to the review process. I, I think that's so important because it is monumental and intimate and uh, writing a book is hard work. And so mm -hmm. for anyone, even if it's not my cup of tea, I can appreciate their intention. I've never met a writer who wanted to do a bad book, you know, that's not <laughs> right. what I go in trying to do. <laughs> Um, so I appreciate that. What makes a good book, in your opinion? What are some of the elements that attract us to a story? Well, first of all, story, it's very simple. But I think one of the problems with some modern books, and I'm including nonfiction and memoir, uh, is that we forget the power of story in the human consciousness. 
we are built to tell stories. We started out telling stories, you know, in the dark, in a cave, or maybe not even in a cave. And we're still telling stories millions of years later. We want that beginning, middle, and end. And of course, I mean, I read a lot of experimental fiction. I read a lot of uh, fiction um, that tries to break the rules and also nonfiction and memoir that tries to break the rules. Sometimes that's really successful and powerful. Sometimes it isn't. But I think a writer who wants to bend things or try something new is a writer who already understands story, good storytelling narrative inside and out. And so they're able to, you know, bend the rules. I mean, it's the old, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. Um, an excellent writer has done so much reading and so much thinking about how to tell a story that if they decide to tell it end middle beginning or end beginning middle, you're going to follow along because they really understand what it's going to take to get the reader to a point of, oh, that's what this was about. So that applies to every genre then? Yes. Any type of book, you have to have the story, the reader has to be able to follow and, and bring something to their lives that really Yes, uh, absolutely. You know, a book really isn't finished until it's been read by someone mm -hmm. else. Uh, I, I believe, especially because I started out as a reader, almost all of us do. Um, I, I, there may be there's someone who started as a writer first, but I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, we, we uh, bring something to the book. The book brings something to us. It is, it is a two-way street. Now, you know, my husband, he was never a reader because he had an experience in school. He didn't necessarily like the books he was required to read. Some mm -hmm. teachers made comments to him about his reading ability. He was a slow reader. And so he just always turned it off. When he married me, I read all the time. And now he's probably the biggest reader in the house. He's always looking around for a book. And I think it's because he found the type of book he enjoyed. He reads a lot of thrillers. He reads some history. And I think having the freedom to pick what he actually wanted to read has changed how he feels about books in general. So if people aren't readers yet, is it too late to pick up this? It is never, ever, ever too late. And I just want to say to Mr. Polly, I call my <laughs> husband, Mr. Beth Ann on social media. So um, I am so delighted that you have found your way into reading. This is something I have so much to say about. And the first thing I will tell you is an anecdote about Mr. Beth Ann. Uh, Mr. Beth Ann is has always been a reader to a certain extent, someone who was a good reader, did well in school, you know, was interested enough in the literature that, you know, he found in different classes. But over the years, especially, you know, with work and children, he was dwindling down to reading maybe five books a year, if that. And of course, like many adults, he was also finding that when he had a chance to read at bedtime, after five pages, he'd be, you know, heavily asleep. Tired, yeah. Until a few years ago, he discovered audiobooks. And not only does he now read just probably, uh, I don't know, 50, 70 books a year, but he's also changed what he was reading. 
so before, and, and I'll finish this up in a second, before he would only read things that, you know, were very sort of, I don't know, traditionally masculine kinds of books, thrillers, mysteries, nonfiction about historical events, right? It, with audiobooks, he is now asking me about all kinds of women authors. He's reading novels, he's reading short stories, he's reading memoirs, and he is getting so much out of them and asking me for recommendations and asking me to talk about a book that he's finished and whether I liked it or not. And he's looking at book lists on various publications. And I think I never would have guessed. And here's my last thought on that um, before I let you talk again, Polly. Sorry, I'm such a chatterbox. This is great. Um, it is, I tell people this all the time and I want everyone to understand. Audiobooks reach the same part of our brain that books in text reach. So you really are reading when you listen to an audiobook. I don't want anyone to think that it's a lesser activity. It is the same kind of activity. Now, for me, professionally, audiobooks have some disadvantages. They, you know, I read much faster than any audiobook can be speeded up to, right? And, you know, I need to take notes and go back to things and audiobooks aren't always practical. But for someone who is reading mostly for entertainment and pleasure, you know, you're gardening, you're on a walk, what you're on vacation, audiobooks are fabulous. And it is important to look for good, you know, recommendations because you don't want to have an audiobook narrator who just bores you completely. Boy, that makes a difference. And I will tell you what, I have a book out now called You Recharged. And the uh, reader, the, the talent, the narrator, uh, I, I didn't get to to choose her, but she has made the book better. <laughs> that oh, is such I love a it. good audio book. She has done such a good job. There's such an exuberance and energy. It's like uh, a better version of me reading it myself, bringing that same energy. So I think audiobooks, if you find the right one, the, the one that fits your style and the, the story and the talent, I think it's a great way to read. So that's a Simply Start segment today, folks. Go out and get yourself a book. Get it on an audio book get it one uh, you hold in your hand, put it on your reader, your Kindle or whatever you like to read on. But today, pick a book and get started. If you if you haven't done this, even if you do it all the time and love to read, make time today, pick a book in a format you enjoy and get started. Take some time today to read. That's the Simply Start. And we're going to get some help now because I have asked Bethann, the book maven, <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of books coming out this fall that I'm already reading about. They haven't even been released. So I get overwhelmed. <laughs> I want to read it all. Can you help us pin down our list this fall and maybe give us some reading ideas of books we should pick up? I think I can. I hope I can. And I just want to say one thing about why I'm called the book maven because I don't want anyone um, to think that I just called myself that because I think I'm such an expert. It actually came from uh, my time as books editor at AOL. Remember AOL? Wow. Right. <laughs> and uh, we were just, people were just starting to blog and they asked me to start a blog at AOL. And when I did, I had just read Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. 
Uh And in the tipping point, he talks about different styles of people and what they bring, you know, to the table. He talks about connectors, for example, people who just bring other people together in all kinds of ways. And for him, maven, which is a word from the Yiddish, and it can mean uh, someone who's an expert, but it can also mean someone who's a freak. In other words, it's someone (laughs) who's got a passion for something, and that's me all over. So I decided to call the blog The Book Maven. And it just stuck with me after my AOL job and around for several other blogs that I did in various places like Publishers Weekly uh, and, and other spots. And so now that's where I tweet. I tweet oh, awesome. at the book maven. And so um, as the book maven, I definitely have some recommendations for you for the fall because it is an overwhelming fall. And I was trying to keep your audience in mind, Polly, when I brought, I picked five of them. And I've also deliberately picked um, three favorite self-help books so that I can talk about those as well. I'm into that, you know, I'm into that. Uh, And uh, would you mind if I included one book that was published this month? No, I'm I'm down with anything. So all right, so I've chosen some fiction and um, some nonfiction too. So let me um, tell you the the book that is coming out or actually came out two weeks ago, is called All the Frequent Troubles of Our Days by Rebecca Donner, and it is about her great great aunt Mildred Harnack, who is the only American woman who took part in the German resistance against Hitler. And Mildred lived in Berlin, and she was executed by Hitler's direct order in 1942. Uh, Her story is incredibly powerful, and it's made even more so by Donner's uh, sort of recovery, uh, um, looking at her aunt as a woman of her time and realizing that she's been forgotten for all the wrong reasons and that she needs to be someone who's remembered. So anyone out there who's interested in World War II history, this is a great way of understanding uh, a forgotten figure, but there is a lot of documentation. So this is not just a sort of, I'm telling a story about my Aunt Mildred. This is a pretty powerful work of history. Incredible book. So All the Frequent Troubles of Our Days by Rebecca Donner. All right, write that down. (laughs) Now my second um, recommendation for the fall is a a big juicy novel and I think it will be a lot of fun for anyone if you if you've got you know some time this fall to settle down curl up with a big mug with a hot beverage The Island of Missing Trees by Elif Shafak is such a wonderful big historical novel and she's British Turkish and she has written some other books that I've really loved. And this one centers on the island of Cyprus, which of course has had its conflicts, historical war, et cetera. Basically, you know, back in the day, a Greek Cypriot teenager meets a Turkish Cypriot teenager. Their names are Costas and Daphne. And they have these assignations in a tavern that has a big olive tree growing through its roof. 
And so they get torn apart by war and circumstance. But years later, decades later, a cutting from that fig tree grows in the backyard of a London house. And a teenage girl named Ada has to figure out her family's history and why the fig tree is there and what it means. And so if you love, you know, a family saga, if you love historical fiction, if you love just a great romance um, read, this is the one. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Uh, now, gosh, oh, there's so many. Oh, uh, right? Sea State, Sea State by Tabitha Lasley. This is something really, really different, but I'm just crazy about this book. It's so powerful and unexpected. So Tabitha Lasley is a British journalist who decided she was going to go up to the oil rigs off the coast of Norway, you know, those big rigs where people live for, you know, weeks and months and, you know, it's all men. And the male culture there is pretty different. It's very rough. It's very, um, you know, rustic. It's uh, it, it's not something you would normally think of a woman going anywhere near. But not only does she go up to this one particular rig, she falls in love with a guy there. And they, while she's embedded, start an affair. And it is a very, very forceful examination of what it means to go with your desire instead of with your sense. Um, and it will show you a world that you don't even think about that keeps hours running. It's, it's really different. And uh, it's out, I believe, in a paperback release from Echo in November or December. And I, I just recommend you pick that one up. So and that's a nonfiction then? Beth that Anne? is nonfiction. It yeah. is um, mostly memoir, a little bit of journalism and reportage put in there, but pretty powerful. Um, Another one completely different, you can see I tried to, you know, put things in here that would be so, um, so specific and different. Jennifer Riggi has written one called The Mirror and the Palette, and this is about art history. It, it's subtitle is Rebellion, Revolution, and Resilience, 500 Years of Women's Self-Portraits. Oh. And first of all, this one has the most beautiful, incredible cover. I just love it. It's a palette with a woman who's painting looking out of it. And so she picks up 500 years of women painting. And some of these names, you might know Frida Kahlo, for example, uh -huh. right? Or um, Mary Cassatt, but you don't know Paula Modersen Becker. You don't know um, necessarily Suzanne Valadon. And so Jennifer Riggi looks into their history, but in a very entertaining way. This is not like an academic art history book. This is, this is interesting and fun and um, will take you into so many places you didn't expect to go. And if you love art, museums, um, you know, forgotten women, it's it's just a fantastic, uh, it's fantastic read. So there you go. That's my fourth. Okay. I'm trying to keep myself. Now, my my last one for the fall is by an, an author many of your listeners know, Polly, Ann Patchett. But uh -huh. this isn't an Ann Patchett novel. This is a collection of essays called these precious days. And while there are essays in it ranging on different subjects, 
the reason it's called These Precious Days, it's about several of the essays are about her very unexpected and very deep friendship with Tom Hanks's assistant. Okay, so basically what happened is um, her last book, The Dutch House, Tom Hanks was chosen or he chose to read the audiobook. Talk about an audiobook narrator we all yeah. want, right? Wow. Polly, Tom yeah. Hanks, whoa. Uh, it's, so his assistant Suki and Ann Patchett formed this very intense bond. And um, unfortunately, Suki became very ill. And so, um, Anne, uh, you know, it, it, it becomes a real reckoning with different important things in life. Oh. So it, it is a beautiful, beautiful book of essays and very different. And if you love Patchett, if you love her writing and her turn of mind, then uh, these precious days will be something you really want to want to pick up. I do. I love I love her style and the way she thinks about things. And then she always says it a little differently. You know, it's don't you think? Yes, beautiful. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So well, those um, are great. Those are great selections. I I'm gonna like you. I need to hang up right now and get to the bookstore, right? <laughs> <laughs> so go get one of these books or pick up a book that you've been wanting to read. Make some time for yourself this summer and fall and always it's okay it's i you know especially women i know so many women who love to read but they they because their lives are so busy and full as is mine and yours and everybody's uh, it's become almost a luxury i i think it's part of sustaining us i think reading and for me writing but reading is how we live a healthy life. I think it's one aspect of how we connect and, and grow and, and develop ourselves and, um, and feel good in our lives. So I don't think it's a luxury at all. I think it's part of our well-being, our self-care routine. I completely agree, Polly. And I will just add that one thing we know is reading fiction develops our compassion helps us become more compassionate and thoughtful about other people. And if there's anything the world needs now, it's that. Absolutely. Bethann, anything you want to add? We've, we've got to log off so that everybody can go get their books and, and sit down on <laughs> the their couch. And... <laughs> yes, exactly. The only thing I would add is I know, Polly, because you write self-help and you you know, lift up self, other self-help authors and podcasters is that there's a book by, again, by a woman. I'm just a, a unapologetic feminist, I swear. I want to mention, and it is called Finding Sisu by Katya Pansar, mm -hmm. my friend Katya. And Sisu, S-I-S-U, is the Finnish concept of self-determination. Now, Katya grew up in Canada in a Finnish family, but she now lives in Helsinki. And here's what she does every day. And you're going to love this, Polly. Every day she swims in the Baltic. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's for a minute. Sometimes it's for an hour. But every day of the year, she goes and plunges into the cold water because part of Sisu is overcoming difficulties, realizing that you're stronger 
than you think, realizing that cold water will not kill you. At least a minute in cold water will not kill you. <laughs> it's a, and, and so I just want to give her a plug because she's a wonderful human being and someone who is continuing to write about these concepts that help us. So look for her name out there when you make the trip today to the library or bookstore. Love that. Great suggestions. And we can find you at Bookmaven on Twitter. Is that right? The Bookmaven on Twitter at Dear Bookmaven on Instagram. Okay. Check out Bethann's work, read her reviews, and check out the recommendations. You guys, we have to spend more time reading. It builds compassion. It gives us something to visit with each other about. I always, I always learn so much from my friends who have an idea or a recommendation for a book because then they explain why. And I learn more about them too, right? It's a way we can share yeah. with each other. So you it can is. find my newest book, You Recharge, wherever books are sold. Check it out. Find me at polycampbell.com. That's the website. And at Polly Campbell on Twitter. Let me know what books you're reading and what you recommend. And we'll connect together through good books. That's a good way to do it. When we do that, I think we will all live well, do good, and be happy. Thanks for listening. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electricast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.